Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Spartan Spotlight. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with my co-host Corey Robinson. Um, here to talk Purdue. Corey, how you doing today? I'm doing great tonight. Yeah, especially after Michigan State has uh, found itself the third-ranked team in the college football playoff rankings. So obviously, it doesn't mean anything in November because, as Peyton Thorne was saying today, playoff games aren't played in November. But still, good to see. Not a lot of people would have expected that in the very first playoff rankings uh, if, if you asked them back in the summer. So obviously some, some good times in East Lansing, but none of, it, none of it means anything if Michigan State can't beat Purdue this weekend. So we'll dive right into that. Um, for those that haven't really followed Purdue so much this year, I'll just run through their schedule real quick. So in the first week of the season, they hosted Oregon State and they beat them 30-21. to 21. Next week, they played UConn, um, so probably as bad, of a, as bad of a team in the FBS as you could play, but they played <laughs> them exactly how you would expect, 49-0. Then they traveled to South Bend, played number eight Notre Dame at the time. They lost 27-13, to 13, so just a, just a two-touchdown loss to a Notre Dame team. Then they hosted Illinois, only beat them thirteen to nine, but um, I guess better than better than some other teams in the Big Ten have played against Illinois. Then they lost by seven to Minnesota at home, twenty to thirteen. Then they traveled to play an Iowa team that is pretty fraudulent. They would have lost to Penn State had Sean Clifford not gotten hurt, in my opinion, but. Winning at Kinnick isn't easy, and especially not winning 24-7. to So credit to them. Obviously looked like a very dangerous team against top 10 teams. But again, I was not the most legitimate top 10 team, but that's not easy to do still. Uh, then they played Wisconsin at home, lost 30-13. to And then this week they beat Nebraska in Lincoln, 28-23. So you see a mix of... Um, some wins that are kind of impressive along with some losses that you wouldn't expect if uh, if you take into account some wins like Iowa and whatnot. But they are a team that, like Corey and I were just talking about before we started recording, they don't seem to score too many points, but they also don't give up a lot of points and they seem to play good, well-coached football. So Kind of, what does that mean to you, Corey? What are your, your keys to the game based on that sort of a description and summary of, of their team? Yeah, I guess uh, I get the same thing as you. Uh, on defense, they, they look to be uh, pretty solid there. The tough team keeps you from uh, scoring a lot of touchdowns. So we'll be able to see if they can keep that, that up against a, a high explosive offense like Michigan State has shown to be most weeks. Uh, and then when you... Uh, match up with them on offense uh, they've hit 30 twice because we're going to throw the Connecticut game out because that doesn't even count as college football um, so if 30 has been their two peaks so for me the big key is uh, to not allow the huge home run plays by their superstar wide receiver David Bell uh, I think he's one of the the best players in the Big Ten so he's going to get his yards and he's going to make some plays, but the, the key is to not 
not let him get loose for uh, three touchdowns or something crazy like that, where that's kind of playing with bonus points for them and not something that they're expected. I think offensively for Michigan State, the offensive line, that's kind of our key every weekend is how they play. Uh, I think it's probably good that they played a team like Michigan last week because you had Hutchinson and Ajabo. I'll get you kind of ready for them where they have uh, George, uh, I'm going to say his last name wrong. I always do. Karloftis, there we go. Like he's a, to me, he's an elite talent type of guy. I think he would get even more love if he played at a different school than Purdue. Uh, he's right up there with Hutchinson for me as a talent thing. So maybe it's good for Michigan State to see Hutchinson and Ajabo last week to kind of get them ready for the challenge that they have going on this week. And then uh, I guess that that's the big key is don't let their superstars uh, beat you. Yeah, and I guess if they're a team that is routinely scoring 30 or less, uh, then you don't want to spot them a short field. You don't want to give them any turnovers or anything like that. So Michigan State just needs to, obviously this goes for every game, but especially this game, if you don't turn the ball over and you limit the big play, then you should be in pretty good hands. Like, like I know you can say that in most games, but like last week, even against Michigan, like, if they would have like ideally limited the turnovers and limited the big play, like Michigan still could have won that game just by just the identity they have of long, slow drives. And um, Ohio state's another team. Like they'll get six, seven yards per carry on you and march it down the field. And there's a lot of these teams that you can limit the big play. You can limit the turnovers and still lose. I don't think Purdue is one of those teams where they will simply beat you by putting together five, six good touchdown drives uh, or field goal drives in a game. They they simply just don't have as much of a dynamic offense as you would like if David Bell is on your team. So I, I would say that in more, uh, it, it means even more than usual to limit the big plays uh, from David Bell and to limit the short field. So like you said, Karloftis, yeah. very good. Um, hopefully the Aiden Hutchison focus last week can be just applied to, to Karloftis this week. Yeah, and then like I would add too for David Bell, honestly, he's somebody that you say, all right, like last week you said, Michigan, we're not going to let them beat us with the run game. This week you go in and say, we're not letting David Bell beat us. So I would bracket over the top and he's always doubled, which I'm sure is going to happen. Uh and then just let everybody else kind of do that. I don't really see that uh, happening. So to me, I think I, I like Michigan State in this matchup. Obviously, they've they've got to show up. You don't just show up and uh, win games in the Big Ten, especially on the road. But we know Mel Tucker is going to have them uh, prepared for that and not let them come in and sleeping off of the big uh, win against Michigan. Uh, most of you probably saw him in his press conference. If you didn't, he literally listed like every single time Purdue won a top five game as an unranked team. And yeah. the years of it, he went all the way back to like the fifties, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, so the, they're well aware uh, what, what the job at hand is and, you know, just come in here and the goal is to go nine and zero. like that's what you got to do. You can't beat yourself against a team like this. And 
if you have to lean on the defense and win an ugly one again, like you did in Indiana and Nebraska, you take it and you move on to the next week. When you hear Kenneth Walker on TV right after the college football playoff ranking reveal uh, say number three is good because that's what the question was, but immediately pivoted Mm -hmm. to saying, but we're focused on Purdue right now. That comes from, that comes from the coach that comes from the program. Then um, Peyton Thorne said this morning at a press conference that they were not even going to be uh, watching the college football playoff show because they were going to be in a meeting with some former players. And those players ended up being Baba Pisa and Jimmy Ray, as the football team tweeted out an hour ago. So the team really doesn't care about what you think about them in November because they know that as I said earlier, as, as Thorne said, playoff games aren't played in November. So I, I do really think that even though every team out there always says, oh, we're just focused on the next opponent, want to know this week, want to know this week, you can kind of tell by how teams play after big wins or after big losses throughout a coach's tenure. And you can go and track those stats and you can kind of see which teams say that for the media's benefit and which teams actually don't have letdowns after they win a big game. So, yeah. And then it, like, I think too, like of it, you leave clues after it. Uh, like, I don't want to keep harping on the Michigan game, but clearly you can see that Mel Tucker used the disrespect thing that was coming out of uh, oh, yeah. Ann Arbor, whether it was Luan or Raylan Edwards or just various other situations. So where obviously here you're already starting to see a little bit of the clues that Mel's leaving that he's literally probably got like somewhere taped up in the building, like every game that he recited off on his list, that's probably somewhere in the meeting rooms or something like that. And uh, just pushing that message of uh, nothing, all the, previous eight games don't matter the games beyond this don't matter this is literally the entire focus is this saturday and getting away with that win yeah Uh, and i mean when you hear him talk he he's that kind of coach that he just like harps on whatever his point is he'll harp on it harp on it harp on it even to the media so i imagine that's like way more intense and uh prevalent with his players and coaches yeah and i know that uh, he said in that press conference he had earlier this week that they actually spent specific time talking about Purdue's track record. So those numbers that he gave the media in the press conference, he probably had those handy because that's exactly what he finished telling his team earlier before that. But um, I have some advanced stats here that I'll just run through real quick uh, regarding the Purdue Michigan state game. Um, so, this, uh, I'll actually tweet this out when I tweet out the podcast so you guys can see exactly what it looks like. But uh, first off, the overall projection uh, using these metrics is that Purdue has a 68.5% chance of winning. Michigan State has a 31% chance of winning. So I guess do with that what you will. But uh, So when Michigan State's offense is on the field versus Purdue's defense, Purdue has the advantage in EPA per pass, EPA per rush, first down percentage, 
and fourth down and third down success rate. So in those, those are pretty key facets. Basically, the first two things I listed is how good are you running and passing the football? And it's kind of a, what kind of a point margin can be expected per play? So Purdue is uh, doing well in that regard. They're stopping teams on third and fourth down. And uh, then when Michigan State's defense is on the field versus when Purdue's offense is on the field, Michigan State takes those same key categories as well, other than third and fourth down success. So the biggest discrepancy there is Purdue's defense seems very good at stopping third down plays. They're 11th in the nation in that regard. Meanwhile, Michigan State's offense is 93rd in the nation. So third down is definitely going to be a key when Michigan State's offense is on the field. Uh, in addition to the keys I gave earlier about touchdowns, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, no turnovers and limiting the big plays. And then you have to keep Purdue's offense uh, to these pretty abysmal metrics that I see here. They, they can't really run the ball. They usually start with bad field position. They do do a nice job of getting a first down on first or second down, but that's one of the things Michigan State's defense is good at preventing because they're 30th in the nation and in keeping it to the same set of downs on first and second down. So I'll tweet this out like when I like I said when I tweet out the podcast, but these metrics are not the most uh, settling feeling if you're a Michigan State fan. But um, Mel Tucker has said in the past, stats are for losers. So um, I guess, is there anything else we want to touch on in this podcast, Corey? Uh, No, I think it pretty much covers them. I think, honestly, the big thing is execution. Uh, On defense, don't make Purdue's offense better than it is. Uh, Get off the field. I mean, I I think – this is one of those games where you would like to think Michigan State's third defense, third down defense uh, should be better than it has been previously, but that's why they play the game on the Saturday and not about what I think is going to happen. So I guess we'll have to find out on that, but I, I just kind of get a feeling that this will be one of those uh, ugly games that you just get by and are happy with if you win and you're really frustrated if you don't. So I think we've pretty much touched on everything that Purdue brings to the table and what they struggle with. Yeah, for sure. That's that, that basically sums it up is it's not going to be an easy game. It's it's definitely has all the makings of a trap game, but then again, Mel Tucker uh, knows that very well. And the team seems to have be receiving that message. So at this point, it's basically single elimination. This is November and um, if you're not focused uh, here during this stretch of the season, then you don't really deserve to win a title anyway. So we will find out uh, what this team is made of. Uh, I think we we both like the signs of what we're seeing come, come out of the program right now. So we'll see how it goes. Um, it should be, should be a good game. Might be an ugly game, but I don't, I don't know if it's going to necessarily be a blowout like you would think a top three Michigan State versus a unranked Purdue team would be. The, at least the metrics don't say it'll be a blowout uh, in favor of Michigan State, but it'll be. Yeah, looking at the metrics and the scores, it's almost like uh, looking at at a, a D'Antonio team in the last few years where even yeah. when the talent wasn't there, 
they were they did a good job of uh keeping the games low and you know close even if they didn't come away with the victories they were at least able to keep most of them in in distance just because of the way their approach that they played on offense and defense yeah that's a that's a good way of looking at it yeah that Purdue team can scratch and claw in any given game and they're not exactly off to a flying start but they have shown flashes and they've fought in the big game so it's a good way of looking at it for sure but that wraps up this week's episode guys thanks for checking us out make sure to subscribe tell your friends leave a five-star review and uh thanks again we'll catch you next time